Mm-hmm. And we are now live. Tito Ortiz. My man, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. You're very welcome. Uh, looks like you're living the life over there. Nice nice car. Is that a, uh, a Rolls Royce I can see? Yeah, it actually uh, is a Rolls Royce uh, Wraith 2017. I like it because uh, it's kind of the coupe uh, two-door. You don't get much seating besides, uh, you know, two in the back, but uh, one, so four of us can fit in it. <laughs> But I actually have a Rolls Royce Phantom also. Um, that's more of my family car. So Wow. And I, I can safely say I've never podcasted anyone who's been sitting in a Rolls Royce <laughs> chilling. So <laughs> first time for everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really sure. appreciate you coming on, man. Like like I said, uh, off camera, I didn't didn't expect to reply. So um, it's great that you've taken the time to, uh, to, to chat with me. You got to reach out to my UK fans, man. I got a lot of UK fans out there. And you know, and the ones who, who don't know who I am and want to learn about me, hopefully this will be a first uh, extent to them to understand where I came from, what I've done. And uh, I'm lucky to be where I am after 20 years of competition, mixed martial arts. I was with the UFC since the beginning, and uh, I was with them until 2016. Wow. Yeah, from 2000, or excuse me, from 1997 to 2016. So I, I ran a month there with them. Yeah, it's mad. Like, you, you took the UFC to the sort of to to basically the heights is at now really you've been been pretty much there from the start weren't you pretty much yes yes before the uh for Tita's and uh, dana white was even a part of ufc i was the world champion for ufc so i was able to extend and have uh, four title defenses with them and you know i helped them with their business as they helped me with my business but uh i guess a fair trade to a certain extent but at the same time you know i was able to build the business uh and have my name of Tito Ortiz as being a household name so far. So I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah, perfect, man. So um, I'll start anyways with the question that we, we said about on air, just uh, touching it a little bit more, is uh, for those that might not know who you are, uh, tell them about yourself and your background and how it all kind of started for you. Well, of course, uh, my name's Tito Ortiz. Uh, my true name is Jacob Ortiz, Jacob Christopher Ortiz. Uh, I got the name of Tito at the age of one. My father named me Tito. Um, Tito as a slang name means tyrant. I guess I was a little kid who always caused a muck, a little hoodlum as a kid growing up. Uh, but, uh, age of seven, we moved out of Huntington beach into Santa Ana, which is kind of a lower uh, class uh, area. Uh, my parents had a drug problem, um, from about seven to 13. And I was on the streets, hung out with gangs, uh, did bad things, horrible things. Uh, not horrible, but just, uh, not really things that normal kids do at that age. I was pretty much out on my own. I was able to do what I wanted to do. Uh, my parents put a house over my, or put a roof over my head. Either it was at a motel, a car, uh, people's garages, trailers. Um, never really had a stable home environment until the age of 13 when my mother had to get remarried. I was in a uh, gang, in a rival gang, shot one of my friends and killed him. Uh, my mother seen that and she wanted to make sure I was the next kid. So. She separated with my father because he didn't want to get sober and got remarried. I uh, moved back to Huntington Beach, and I got a second chance at life. I was a huge fan of professional wrestling, WWE, or back then it was WWF, which is now WWE. Uh, you know, guys like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, the British Bulldogs, guys like that that I watched. Um, I wanted to be a wrestler. And when I became a freshman in high school, um, I walked in the wrestling room. And come to realize that wrestling in high school was totally different than wrestling on television. Hmm. Professional wrestling was uh, 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 stunts and acrobats and you know entertainment value. As in amateur wrestling, and you see in high school and college, 
that was real wrestling. But I remember telling the coach, I go, but I can still slam them, right? Go, well, if you can, yeah, you can. I go, and I'm not going to get in trouble? They go, yeah, of course not. This is a sport. Well, I, I found wrestling. And my name, Jacob, uh, in the Bible, Jacob wrestled against an angel, and the angel beat him and saved his life. As my name being Jacob, I found wrestling, or wrestling found me. And it saved my life. It gave me uh, a lot of things through my life that I was able to kind of feed back on of uh, with hard work and dedication, sacrifice, a lot of things made me a, a great wrestler. Uh, my By the time my senior year, I won CIF, uh, placed in the Masters, um, ended up uh, placing the state meet in California, which is there's about 1,500 schools, and I placed six in the state. And I did really, really well at a super uh, quick amount of time. I took a year off uh, when I graduated high school. I thought I was a big grown-up at being 18. I told my parents I want to go on my own. Uh, my stepdad, my mom, I thought I want to go on my own. And come to realize that life is vicious. And being on your own is hard and it's tough. Mm-hmm. And you got to pay bills and you got to have responsibilities and you got to have a job. And you got to do so much things where you don't have to feed back on your parents. Your parents aren't paying your bills. They're not doing your laundry. and um, You know, they're not, not doing the things that were normal, that I thought that were normal. Now I had to do everything on my own. And I got caught up uh, with some wrong guys I was hanging out with. And I, I worked at an allied moving service. It was a moving service that we move homes um, every day. I worked 16-hour days, five to six days a week. And I got caught up in drugs, uh, methamphetamine, which is a type of uh, speed or cocaine or so forth, uh, just to keep my adrenaline going so I'm able to work these long hours doing 15, 16-hour shifts, five, six days a week. And I ended up selling a little bit, and I lost myself um, at the age – you know, I was about 18 and a half, almost turning 19. I was at a, a club and some wrestling coach that I knew when I was in high school. He's like, Tito, is that you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing with yourself? Well, coach, just making ends meet, man. I'm just trying to do as best I possibly can. He's like, you ever thought about coming back and wrestling? I was like, yeah, I would love to. But I'm, I'm just really, I have a permanent job right now. I don't have anybody paying for my stuff. And this is my job is, is being a mover. He's like, you know, you're Mexican, half Mexican, half American. I goes, I possibly I could get you a, a stipend, which is meaning that I could pay for my college, uh, my junior college time, uh, pay for my books. And I was like, hey, I want to give this a try. I went home that night after the club and I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. I was uh, the same height thing I am now, 6'3", and I was 185 pounds. I'm uh, 225 right now. I had pimples all over my face big black circles under my eyes. I was sucked up and it scared me because I was turning to my parents and I got a reality check. I got a life check and I checked myself that day. Of, you know what? If I don't change something right now, I, I, I may be dead or I may be following my foot, my, my uh, parents' footsteps. And I called the work on uh, that Monday, 7 a.m. I told people I was working for, I said, you know what? I'm going to be able to come in today. They're like, Tito, we need you. I said, well, I really want to check out and see about the school. They're like, well, you can't call in, you know, a couple hours before work and say you need a day off. I go, I really want to check out this school thing. I, want, I really want to go back to school. Like, well, if you, you can't come in today, you're fired. I go, well, you know what? I guess I quit. And that was really hard for me because at the time, I never quit at anything at all. And I quit. Um, I remember walking into the coach's uh, office and he had a big smile on his face. He was like, proud of you, man. You're here. I didn't think you were going to show up. I said, you know what, coach? I just want a chance. I want a chance at life. I don't want to turn into my parents. I don't want to be a statistic how everybody thinks once you're a drug addict, you're always going to be a drug addict. I want to be different. And I want to make better myself. And I did. I uh, put my throat, ended up getting full ride scholarship. And it wasn't expensive because it was only junior college at the time. 
but I was able to wrestle and I was able to do something I love to do. Um, I won the state title that year. I uh, had all pins. My grade point average was a 3.75. Um, I got my first chance uh, to train with a guy who fought in UFC, uh, Tank Abbott. Uh, and I was his wrestling partner. And I, I remember wrestling with him all the time. And then there was a guy who fought in UFC called Jerry, named Jerry Bolander. And he won the uh, middleweight tournament at the time. And I looked at him and I go, Jerry Bolander, that guy's name's so familiar. Well, I looked up my old uh, wrestling uh, high school matches. And he was one of the guys I wrestled in high school. And I killed him. Well, he's beating guys and winning tournaments in the UFC. And I was thinking I was UFC 9 or nine or 10, I believe. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I could, I could fight. I go, hey, Tank, man, can you give me a job in here? He's like, oh, you think you want to want to fight in the UFC? Like, yeah, man, I, I think I could do well. He's like, all right, let me see what I can do. Well, the next, um, about a week later, he told me, you know what? I got you as an alternate for UFC 13, May 30th, 1997. Uh, you'll be fighting in Augusta, Georgia. And I was like, sign me up. He's all, but uh, you'll be getting paid money out of the deal. And I talked to my high school, uh, college at the time, my uh, high school coach, or excuse me, my college coach. And I told him, I go, well, they want to pay me money. They're like, well, if you're going to be fighting, you're going to be using wrestling mat- or using wrestling holds and wrestling moves. You can't get paid for it. So I fought fought for free in the UFC. The only UFC, the only UFC fighter in history to ever fight for free, and I did it because I wanted to be competitive. Um, so I, I took a chance and I did it. I fought UFC 13 May 30th, 1997, as a amateur. And there's <laughs> never been an amateur fight in the UFC. Um, stopped my first guy, Wes Albright, in 22 seconds. And then I fought for the championship against Guy Metzger uh, that same night. Uh, lost to him by choke, but I was dominating the fight. People go back and look at history. I was dominating the fight, and they stopped it for bleeding because he was bleeding all over. And uh, he caught me in the choke after a punch. I tried to take him down. He caught me in a guillotine choke. And I had a tap. But that night, um, you know, I think a star was born. I, uh, I look back on that, and that was 21 years ago. Wow. You know, it took me a year and a half after that to become the world champion. And I dominated uh, for over five years with four title defenses. Or excuse me, five title defenses. I was the longest, longest reigning light heavyweight title uh, champion um, until John Jones beat my record just recently. Uh, but it's just one of those things, man. I, I've been focused. I just want to show what hard work and dedication is truly about. Everything I've gone through. I've gone through so much. And it's such a, a short amount of time for me, at least. But it, it's been a long time. Mad, man. I was five. In '97, <laughs> wow! And you, and you're out there smashing it. Do you know what I mean? It's mad. Still smashing. I oh, I take care of my body, man. I I'm, I don't party big. You know, I, I like to have drinks, of course. Uh, occasionally, you know, the weekends here and there, glass of wine for dinner once in a while. But when I'm training, that's all I'm doing is just training, eat, sleep, train, and I train like a professional athlete. That's all I do, which is a good thing because I have my kids, my boys, Jesse and Journey are my twins. Of course, my oldest, Jacob, who's eight, uh, 16. Uh, they eat like athletes themselves because I don't, I don't allow them. Uh, my twins that are nine, they don't have no cell phone. They don't have no Xbox. They don't have any PlayStation, anything like that. But it, it's just really important that. Oh, uh, oh man, we lost him. Um, give me a second. I'll try and get that back up. Never had that before. Let's see. Hello. Oh, I'm, I'm all big. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. Someone went to go push in. I went to go press uh, to get rid of them. And yeah. Hung you up for a reason. Darn. That's cool. Uh, your video's, video's not up yet. Okay, wait here. Let me uh, put that back on. There we go. Sweet. 
Let's do it. So we left off, I believe, at uh, talking about my boys, you know, the elite yeah. pro athletes. And I, I, I just, I think that's the responsible thing as a parent is not to just give your phone a cell or give your uh, kid a cell phone or a, a PlayStation or an Xbox and say, go ahead and play in your time. Um, I spend time with them. I want to be a responsible parent. I want to do the right things. I want to do everything that my father messed up on. I want to be that father that my father never was. And uh, it was hard, you know, growing up without a parent or a father in my life. You know, my stepfather still wasn't a father to me. I mean, I didn't respect him the way I would have my own father. But um, with my kids now, I think being there responsible for, for their future is important. And being there uh, for the education. I think uh, education is very important. You know, my kids, both of them, they read at a sixth grade level. They're only in the fourth grade. Uh, my oldest, Jacob, he's a straight-A student. And actually, uh, this is the first year that my boys are in fourth grade. So grades are actually applied Instead of before, they would just get S's and O's for satisfaction and outstandings. Now they get grades, but they're all A students themselves. So the hard work is paying off. And they say uh, the best sign of yourself is through your children, and my children show it. Yeah, man, that's credit to you because obviously you've got kind of uh, all your, your fight stuff going on, your business stuff going on, and you're still managing to, to be a, a good father and a good role model. And uh, it kind of shows that there's always time to... to you know, be a good parent, none of this uh, mentality of like, oh, I haven't got time to chill out with my kids, so play with the Xbox, you know, instead of that. No, no, I mean, I, I, we don't have nannies. There's no nannies in my house. People say, oh, you got money, you should buy a nanny. No, why? When I was grew up, my parents had no nannies. <laughs> we didn't have nannies. There was, there was nothing like that. People coming in, taking care of the house. I mean, people coming in and making sure your house was clean. You know, uh, the mom did that, you know. My girlfriend does that, and she's an amazing woman. And Nicole Miller is the best partner I've ever had in my life. We're not married. We love our relationship the way it is. No reason to ruin it by getting married. You know, we're not religious people. Uh, we just believe in being good people and treat others the way we want to be respected. But I think our household in general is very solid. The foundation is super solid, and it shows through our children. They're happy. We're happy. Um, it's a joyful home. And I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, man. I'm, I'm living on cloud nine. I'm chasing this American dream we've got here in America that we're trying to chase. And I've been chasing this since I've been a little kid, you know, um, watch all the rappers and all the movie stars. And I've always wanted to be those type of guys. But I come to realize at the end of the day that I'm an average person who just works hard as hell. And I try to prevail on everything I do and do it with respect, do it with integrity, um, do it with honor. And I think that really, really matters. I mean, based on everything you've just told me there with, like, your background and stuff, man, I've got to say, you, you, you're living the dream, man. Like, you know, you've got a nice car, good family, you, you're positive, you're competing still and, and kicking ass. I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's... You know, I, 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 there's never enough. I guess that's just the hard work ethic I have in myself is there's never enough. Um but there is enough when I'm sitting on my couch coming home from training or come home from a long day of work and my kids come lay next to me and they put their head on each side on my shoulder. They're like, Dad, we love you. How was your day? I was like, great. How was your day? Oh, it's good. We did this and that in school and just had the, the, the resemblance towards each other that we're able to talk. We're able to sit down. For dinner, we turn the TV off and we sit down and we have a dinner together as a family. And I think that's really important. I think a lot of the families should, should kind of resemble that themselves. I'm not telling them how to raise their family, but... I think it does help out at the end of the day of uh, being close with your kids. It's super important because it's kind of funny how life turned out is when they're born, you take care of them until they can take care of themselves. Well, then as we get older, we're not going to be able to take care of ourselves anymore. So hopefully our kids can take care of us and not put us in a home. 
because I would never yeah. want to do that to my mother, you know, put her in a home. I'll take care of her. I think that's really, really important. So do you uh, still get nervous when you compete, like your last fight with Chuck Liddell? Do you still get nervous or because you've been competing I, for a long time? Every fight I get nervous than hell. I get scared. Uh, there's so much emotions running through, but just this last fight, I got the most, the best reality check I ever had in my life with my own son. So I'm, it's about 12 p.m., day of the fight. I wake up. I just had my breakfast. I wake up around 12 because I go back to sleep, wish I get good rest. I wake up and I'm just so damn nervous. I'm just like, kind of like, you know, not like afraid, nervous where it's, I don't want to do it. Afraid where I don't want to lose. I don't want to, I don't want to humiliate myself. I don't want to let my fans down, but just afraid where it's just like, I've done so much work that I want to win. I want to be the best I possibly can, but it's a nervous feeling. And I was talking to my son. I'm like, Jacob, I'm so nervous right now. And he's like, Dad, I get nervous before wrestling matches too. He goes, I just seen something online last month. And he goes, and this might be able to help you out. And this is a 16 year old kid at this. And he goes, so we have all that fear and that nervousness. He goes, how does it feel like when you win, Dad? I was like, and I put a smile on my face. I'm all, it feels great. It makes me so happy. He goes, exactly. He goes, instead of that fear. And that nervousness turn into happiness, and it'll fill your heart, Dad, like no other. Because I've been doing that, and it's helped me so much. Here's my 16-year-old kid telling a 43-year-old father a little advice before a fight. And let me tell you, that day, as soon as he told me that, everything got turned around completely. I made everything positive. I was, I had a big happy smile on my face, and I was excited to do it because I was prepared. I prepared for the fight for 18 weeks, three times a day six days a week for this fight for 18 weeks i prepared for it and the fight looked easy it looked so easy people are bagging on me saying chuck liddell had no business being in the cage getting me because i look so good and yeah. it's just it, it it's it's embarrassing on chuck's part because he should have never fought at that factor but he was talking so much smack saying how he's gonna kick my ass it ain't gonna go past the first two minutes this is gonna be this is a cakewalk for him this is a, a warm-up fight he's gonna fight john jones this and that this and that but then he comes in unprepared and tries to make me look bad. He never even touched me with one punch. I was bobbing and weaving punches like I've never done in any of my fights before. Just because I prepared so well for this fight and I was happy. And I gave I big thanks to my son for that. What's your training regime like? Like, let's say this camp, for example, what was your training regime like? Uh, for well, for this camp, uh, for the first uh, month and a half, I was uh, doing bag work six days a week. Uh, I would do road work uh, six days a week, and I would do weights six days a week. Then the next uh, two uh, weeks after that, and this is adding on to it, I would do my wrestling uh, four days a week, and I would spar twice a week. Now, adding the next, uh, so that was uh, six, eight. So the next ten more weeks after that, I was doing my road work. I was doing my wrestling, I was doing my boxing, I was doing my weight training, and I was doing my uh, uh, conditioning. Um, that was six days a week, three times a day, and for the whole time, man. I was sparring twice a week. I was just really putting my, no my nose to the grindstone. I tried to get the best thing that I could do on, uh, for the fight. That was my job, was to perform. And I had to make sure that there was not one rock behind me unturned. And it just shows through hard work and dedication that I'm able to do. You gotta understand. Last year and almost a year to date, I had neck surgery. I had a uh, three-level disc replacement in my neck. T three, T two, T two, T one, C seven disc replacement in my neck, and that's re total replacement. And that's the fourth neck surgery I've had. 
in a total of eight surgeries through my career. I've had uh, ACL replaced my left knee, ACL replaced my right knee, 50% meniscus taken out of my right knee, uh, L45S1 in my lower back fused. Um, the neck surgeries, as I said, uh, along with uh, C6, C7 fused, uh, C6, C5 disc replacement, C4, C3 fused, and a reattached retina in my left eye, and about 20 concussions throughout my career. But hey, I'm still working. I'm still banging. I'm still doing as much as I possibly can to keep chasing this American dream, keep chasing his goals, and showing my kids what hard work and dedication is truly about. And hopefully all my fans, everybody who watched me, I can show them they can get through anything, no matter what type of surgeries they've gone through, what type of hard relationships they've gone through, what type of drug problems they've gone through. It's achievable. You just got to achieve it. You got to do the right thing and be honest and be, have integrity and just be respectful. Um, treat people the way you want to be treated. It just seems like when you do good things, good things fall back on you. And don't do good things expecting good things to fall back on you. Just do them for the kindness of your heart. No, man. Wise words. Very wise words because it's true. Um, just just do things to be a good person and the rest will follow, you know, and surround yourself with those people. Um, because obviously if you're yeah, in negative circles... You gotta surround yourself with good people. If not, and you have negative people around you, you're, you're, it'll just it'll engulf your whole life. Negative will engulf your whole life. You have positive people around you, safe, honest, truthful people around you. That's what your life's gonna be like the rest of your life. And I learned that at the beginning of my career. My friends always told me, surround yourself with who you want to become. I was like, oh, cool. I started surrounding myself with millionaires and billionaires because I wanted to become those guys. And one day I'll say, I'll, I was, I'm a billionaire. I am a millionaire. I'm, I'm very fortunate, very lucky. I'm a kid who came from nothing. I was on the street that was in gangs and drugs and horrible places, but to be able to turn my whole life around to be where I am, I'm thankful because nothing was ever given to me. It was through hard work and dedication. Yeah. What was it like? Um, how did it feel getting redemption against uh, Chuck Nadell, winning that fight? How did it, was, it feel? It was that enjoyment. It was that that high of, 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 of excitement, exhilarating, just love i was just i it was like working as hard as i possibly could and i got an a plus 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 on the test and it was it was it was happy i was i was lucky i was happy i cried a little bit i was just i was thankful and people don't understand because i put so much work in them 18 weeks 18 weeks i sacrificed i had no thanksgiving we have thanksgiving here in the states i had no thanksgiving i went and fed the homeless in los angeles for four hours on Thanksgiving because I couldn't eat. And I just gave back. I wait. I mean, I had to cut 20 pounds to make weight. I didn't, didn't eat, and I gave back on that day. Um, it, was, it was some that I, after the fight that I just sat there and said, thank you. Either the big man upstairs, God, helping me out, an angel helping me out, or just being a good man, and good things happen to good people. But uh, I was happy, man. I was excited, and... No one could take anything away from me. I put my life on the line out there. Um, I put my heart and soul out there. Um, and for the camp in general, too. Because the easy fight was easy. The camp was hell. The camp was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But I did it. And I did it the way I wanted to do it. And I started a new business with Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy MMA. And I'm excited for the future to happen. Yeah, what's, with, what's going on with that? Because obviously Dana White was talking uh, shit, basically about Oscar De La Hoya saying Chuck Liddell should never have fought. And I'm just like, what's going Someone's on? You know? Someone's intimidated. Someone sees that there's a new sheriff in town. Someone sees there's a new business in town. And I don't want to compete against UFC. This is not a competition deal. I'm not trying to compete against UFC. UFC is the best. But there can always be a Coke to a Pepsi. 
There could be an AT&T to a T-Mobile. There can always be an, an Apple to a Microsoft. There's always one of another, and that's exactly what this is going to be. And I don't want to compete against UFC. I don't want to compete against Dana White. I don't. I don't want to compete against them. He needs to understand that. But I want to make it better for the fighters for their future. I want to see fighters able to get an income on a respectful manner at the end of the day. And, of course, people, they try to jab at me saying, well, this fight card, you're paying guiders, guys $1,000 a show, $1,000 to win. These are guys who had a record of 4-0, 3-0, 2-0. These guys don't have a big draw. They don't have anything. This is about Tito Ortiz and Chuck Adele building a business at the beginning. Give me four or five shows that I'm able to give back to the fighters. And the next pay-per-view, the guys who are on the main event and co-main event, they'll be getting a piece of that pay-per-view. Other companies don't do that. But mm-hmm. I want to do that. I want to change, change the the model. I want to make the, the model completely different. Make it a 40-60 split where the fighters get 60% and only promoter gets 40%. So the fighters get an upside on this. And I think that's really important that the fighters, they would love to hear that. They would love to hear that they're able to do their own sponsorships. They're able to speak the way they want it, where they're able to make a, a, a character of themselves, where it's just they're not told what to do. Because I know in other um, organizations, they are told what to do and what they can and cannot say, what they can and cannot do. I mean, I, think about in the first days of UFC when you had Chuck Liddell's with the ice coming up, Tito Ortiz with the flames, Rampage coming out the chain, Howland, and I mean, Hoist Gracie with the gi and uh, GSP with the gi. I mean, so many different things that they came out with. Is, guys can't do that anymore because mm-hmm. everybody's on a brand that they can only wear one thing. Well, with our company, we want to give them free reign. We're able to do that. And these guys are able to intake on the whole, on the uh, card in general of getting the income coming in from the pay-per-view, the income coming in from the ticket sales, from the sponsorship of the whole company. Not the sponsorship they bring in. That's their money. The sponsorship from the whole company that brings in. We all cut it because we're all partners of the business. As me and Chuck have done work for this one. That's mad, man. Such a... Because the fighters should get paid more and give them all they're in there taking the risks you know what i mean so it should be a 60 40 split the, the, the split before was uh pretty much about a three percent split that's about it wow it's my fought for ufc i got about three percent and maybe the guy that i fought with maybe got three percent so then we got six percent total and they got to keep 94 percent. what are we doing wrong that boxers were doing that's mm. what i always questioned and they always held me down they always said that i was I was a pussy and I was afraid to fight Chuck Liddell. That I'm a horrible businessman and I'm stupid. And Yeah, in my interviews, I do make mistakes. Come on, I'm human. I make mistakes. And I'm so hyped up about the fight. I get going. I get so riled up. And sometimes the words come out different. And I mean, I make mistakes. That's the way it should be. I mean, I, we're human. We're all human. We got to make mistakes. Your, your videos uh, froze on me, <laughs> by the way. Just to let you know. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Maybe your signal's gone again. No, uh, there's someone trying to call me, so I... There we go. There we go, there we go. So, I... I know, my cell phone, so I apologize. Like I said, I just got done with work. Uh, My my, uh, car business, uh, T.O. Autogram, we do wholesale cars at Mannheim, which is an auction. So I run on lane nine every Thursday, so I just got done with work and be able to hop in my car and... uh, how with you on uh, your podcast? So, um, what's the situation with Direct TV going on? Because obviously, I saw your your tweet about it, where they aren't playing the replay. What do you think's happened there? Like, think oh, you know? God, <laughs> another one. You know that I just like. I, 
I can't point fingers, but I'm not a stupid man. I'm smart, and I can put dot to a dot to a dot to a dot. And for the first time ever, they're not going to replay a Tito Ortiz-Chuck Liddell fight. You're telling me Dana White or no one from the UFC didn't call them saying, do not play that uh, pay-per-view over again, a replay. Come on. They have no our um, bare-knuckle championship fighting on there over the last two weeks. And you're not going to do a replay for two days? Mm-hmm. Come on, DirecTV. That's just, I mean, this is my opinion. I, I, I look at it black and white, and that looks as black as day. I mean, come on, our darkest night. I mean, that is just horrible. Um, it's behind me. I mean, it's everywhere on the Internet, so everybody gets to watch it. I lost that on that. That's cool. That's fine. We'll find out the numbers here by the end of the day, I believe. Uh, and I think they did pretty well. Um, I, I would be happy with a couple hundred thousand buys. I think we did a lot better than that, but I, I, I'd be okay and happy with that. That's still that, that's a, that's a solid uh, showing. But I just I question that because we didn't have a replay, and there has been so many fights that have been on replays. I mean, even when I fought in Bellator, there was uh, 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 replays over, and one of them was a pay per view, and it still was a replay, and it did horrible. I mean, we only did, I think, 65,000 pay-per-view buys, but still, that's okay for them for doing a pay-per-view, but they're still on a week of playing. I mean, just promotion in general, they didn't promote it right. But this one was promoted right, but it wasn't uh, done right on uh, pay-per-view. And I don't know, was it UFC that made the call? Um, I know DirecTV want to make money, so why wouldn't they have it on for a couple weeks? I mean, people still get a chance to watch it. But I think license or uh, policing or licensing... Um, it being on online as far as uh, YouTube and Twitter and so so forth like that, that they gotta really make sure that, that doesn't happen and cut it off so people can't get it. The only way they can get it is buy it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. We learn from our mistakes and we gotta work forward and make sure it doesn't happen again. And you know, uh, make sure that the fighters come in at tip top shape and not bullshit the rest of the people because people are trying to blame me of why did I take the fight? I took the fight because someone called me out. I didn't ask to shut the Dell fight. I was running my businesses. I was running my management company, Pipetime 360. I was running my car company, TO Auto Group. I was running my clothing company, Punishment Athletics. I was doing these things already, and Chuck called me out. I said, if you're going to get in shape, you're going to call me out and say, I want to fight, I'm in. He does the interview saying, yeah, Tito won't take the fight. He'll end up pussing out. He don't want to fight me. He never wanted to fight me. Now that I finally crushed him and made him look stupid, I mean, at UFC, uh, the Hall of Fame 25th year that they have this year, they had Chuck Liddell and me and him face off against each other. For Dana White to say that he would never want this fight to happen, why would you have us face off at the Hall of Fame? Mm. And at the club, I see him, he's all, I hope you guys make a shit ton of money. Congratulations to you guys. But then all of a sudden, after the fight's over, and I kick his ass because he thought that he had a chance of beating me. Now here's the time to make Tito look bad and make... uh, uh, Oscar De La Hoya look bad and make Chuck look bad and talk a bunch of smack. I don't get it. It just it's contradiction. I mean, he contradicts himself over and over and over. And I hope the fans really see the truth. I really, really do. Um, me and Chuck are former world champions, Hall of Famers. I came in at the best shape I possibly could, and I was a tip, 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 chop, tip top shape. And Chuck didn't. Chuck came in with his mouth, run his mouth. He was uh, casting checks that his mouth couldn't cast. And then at the end of the day, it was just, um, he was countless chicks before the hatch, man. He said how, how quick he was going to knock me out and who's going to fight next and this and that and this and that. And he forgot about me. I'm not the guy you're going to make a stepping stone. I make people stepping stones. And I made a stepping stone of him that night. 
So what are your future plans with uh, like MMA, your career? Um, are you done? What? Are you going business side now? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, kind of, you know, pushing towards the business side. You know, I am 43 years young. Uh, I would love to fight still. Um, but I, I, I think I, I don't want to outstay my welcome. And I think I'll, I'll use my intelligence a little bit more than using my brawn. And I, I've learned that in college, you know, to kind of think of the what's the next step. You know, back in 2005, I worked for Donald Trump uh, on The Celebrity Apprentice. And I was the guy that was in his ear all the time asking him, how do you become a billionaire? How do you become a millionaire? How do you become, you know, successful? And he just tells me, Tito, you got to work as hard as possible. He goes, now, just, here's a little goal for you. He goes, if you could have five sources of income coming in every year for five years, you will stay a millionaire. Now, you're able to have those five sources of income running themselves, by themselves, and you can start another five, you have a chance of becoming a billionaire. Well, I, that was in 2005. I've never stopped thinking like that. I'm at source number four right now. So can this number five be Golden Boy MMA? Possible. I really think it can be. Um, I'm a hardworking man. I work hard. I mean, just human being in general, not just American. I'm a hardworking man that never looks for any handouts. I don't want any handouts. I don't want anybody to say, here, let me help you out. No, I want to work for it. And that's the way I've always been. So if I'm able to push forward on my business and able to push forward to what I really want to do, um, to be the president of Golden Boy MMA also gives me the opportunity. I work hard as possible of just making sure I do the best job possible as I've done through my career of being a world champion, as I've done in my career of having Punishment Athletics, my clothing company since 1999, uh, my management company over the last five years, my uh, car business I've had for a year and a half. We went from 25 cars a week to 150 cars a week that we run. And it's just the people that are in the car business are like, how are you doing this? saying with hard work and dedication you can achieve anything they're like you keep saying that i'm like because i'm and i don't stop i'm i don't stop working when i'm not working i have people working for me and that's the way it should be so on the um... actually i'll take that back the only time i'm not working is when i'm sleeping and when i'm sleeping i have people working for me <laughs> smart move man very smart um so about the uh, bellator grand prix that was on recently do you think you would have won that if you'd competed in it or been invited to compete in it? I don't really know what, what happened there, but obviously I know Chell got beat um, and so on. We really got in a really gray area where um, after I got down with the Chell Sonic fight, I, uh, I was supposed to get surgery on my neck and they denied the claim four times. And the surgeon that I go to is the top surgeon in the world. Um, and I'm, built, I'm done with my spine. I mean, I want to make sure I get the best surgeon possible. And they kept denying the claim, saying that the claim uh, was pre-existing, that it was, uh, wasn't was because of the fight, which it was because of the fight. And it showed when Chell got me in neck crank, my head out. I got my head out, and then I ended up uh, rupturing the disc in my neck. And I went through pain for about uh, eight months. I was eating painkillers. Um, I was addicted to painkillers. And I got to a point where I told them that uh, I was going to go to the media and tell them that they're not taking care of me, that they kept denying the claim. And when I went into surgery for the third and final time, um, I send a text out to him. I said, either you guys say yes, or I'm going to the media and I'm going to pay for it myself and it's not going to look good. I'm suing you guys. Boom, bang. I got the surgery done. They said, no problem. Sorry for the, the miss up, uh, mistake. And I got it done and I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't want to deal with them anymore. Fair enough, really, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we're going to be like that, I'm obviously. 
I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm a businessman who tries to do the right thing for my business. Um, once again, sorry about the people calling me. Um, I wish I could just get out of here. Come on. <laughs> I was, we, can you at least still see my face? <laughs> no, no, nothing. No, it's, it's gone. <laughs> there, there, we go. there we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I, I get calls all the time from people that it's horrible. That's, I wish I could do this and be able to just press stop, but... Um, you know, yeah. but like I say, at the, at the end of the day, I, I try to do the respectful thing, try to do the honest things. Uh, if I'm going to be in business with somebody, I want to make sure that they're going to be behind me no matter what, that they're not going to do any hiccups and saying, oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. I'm like, yeah, but I'm out there killing myself for you guys. So you guys should be able to kill yourselves for me. And that's just respect. That's just honor. Um, that's the way life should be. That's the way I treat people. And I expect the same thing back. Would you like to fight a uh, child again? Yeah, a big, huge part of me says yes. My stubbornness says yes. But my mind is just like, Tito, you're smarter than this. You have nothing to prove. You finished him faster than anybody else could ever finish him. You made him look stupid. Um, the guy can sell a fight. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I, I just, I, no, nah, I really, really, I don't think that fight interests me. What, what do I have to prove that I can finish him in, uh, one minute and 59 seconds. I mean, I did the, I mean, 20 seconds. Faster than John Jones did. Faster than uh, Fedor did. Faster than uh, um, who else fought him? Uh, Anderson Silva did. You know, I, I really, I made him look stupid. I clowned him. And it was, once again, it was a redemption fight. He pinned me on my birthday uh, 19 years prior. And I had an opportunity to smash him. And I made him look stupid, as I did Chuck Liddell. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's strange because obviously I saw that uh, Ariel and the bad guy with Chael talking about uh, John Jones and so on. And uh, it's just like, why why don't you get a mention? Do you know what I mean? It's like, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, you know how bad I made him look. I made him look stupid. I clowned him. <laughs> but it's all propaganda. It's all propaganda against Tito. Tito's never been a good guy. He, he He's always been a shitty person. He's been a pussy. All these things these guys say are all lies because that's all they can say about me is lies. I've been the most hardest working, respectful, integer, integrity like no other fighter that anyone's ever met. If any of my fans ever met me, they'll say that guy's an awesome person because I try to be real. Not even try to be. I, I'm real. I, I, I'm, I'm real. I, that's why I've always been. I don't step on people to get ahead. I always look out for the people around me and I, I, I hold people with respect that uh, I ever meet, I ever talk to, or I ever associate with. Who's been your toughest opponent so far? Toughest opponent so far? It would have to be uh, Randy Couture. I fought Randy Couture and I lost the heavyweight world title, or the light heavyweight world title to him. Um, that was my toughest one because it was five rounds, and every round I just dug a deeper and deeper hole, and I lost the world championship. And That was the first time that I thought my career was over. Um, but it built me. It made me a stronger man. They said if you don't learn from your losses, uh, uh, you can never learn anything to process uh, your future better from your wins. And let me tell you, that loss, it helped me out a lot. It made me a better man, that's for sure. What would you say is your like uh, biggest career highlight? Biggest career highlight? So that, I've asked, been asked this question the last, uh, gosh, the last, this last week since I beat Chuck. And number one, of course, has to be when I won the light heavyweight world title against uh, Vanderlei Silva. Um, then number two would be the match against Ryan Bader when I was a 6-1 to one underdog. Um, he was on like an eight-fight win streak, and 
if I lost, I was going to get kicked out of the UFC and this and that. And I ended up choking him in two and a half minutes. And then, of course, it has to go down for this last last one against uh, Chuck Liddell. Everybody thought I was going to lose to him. He said he was going to knock me out. Everybody says, oh, what are you going to do after he knocks you out? And you're going to be 3-0. And, and, you know, you have no business fighting Chuck. You know, you should just stay retired. And all of a sudden, I got all these people shutting up. Actually, I'll take that back. I got all these people talking now that, oh, Chuck should have never been fighting. Instead of Chuck having to defend himself, all his fans are defending himself. And I realize how many how many fans that Chuck Liddell truly has, which is great. So uh, I apologize to every one of you fans that are watching this. And uh, I didn't mean to beat up your hero. But <laughs> hopefully you guys see the real man I am and, and whatever person I truly am. Because, like I say, hard work pays off. And how do you manage your time, man? Because you've got all these businesses going on, <laughs> family, competing. Like, How do you do it? Well, we uh, got 24 hours in a day, and I have uh, 16 hours to work with each day, so I'm good with it. <laughs> Simple and easy. Fair play, man. Um, well, I'm out. I'm all out of, uh, of of questions. Is there anything you'd like to add in at all? Um, promote your new um, up-and-coming stuff, whatever. Well, of course, uh, if you guys, uh, Christmas is coming here uh, soon, uh, you want to check out my website, punishment.com. It's my clothing company, family-owned clothing company. we got my fight shirts. we got all kinds of gear for the whole family. Uh, you know, um, of course, on social media, Tito Ortiz, 1999 on Instagram, uh, Tito Ortiz on Twitter. You can follow uh, my life. I kind of, I'm an open book. I like to see people, I like to show people the hard work that I do each and every day, uh, the things that I go through. Uh, with my family, um, with business, uh, with the fight game, now the promotion game, uh, all everything I do, I try to go through uh, Instagram. Like I say, I'm an open book. I want people to sh- people to see the inspiration things that I do through my life. Uh, that's really important. No man, cool. Um, I'll link all that below, anyways. I'll get you to send it over to me, or I'll find it, um, and so people who are watching the video can can click on and, and check your website out and things like that. Um, I massively appreciate your time, dude. Like, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you and chatting with you. It's been cool. Awesome, man. I appreciate it, man. And all my fans out in the UK, thank you for your support. I, I appreciate it very much. And hopefully I'll be out in the UK and come out to England and drink some coldies. So I can't wait. Cool. All right. I'll chat with you um, off stream for a couple of minutes, if that's okay. Um, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, if that's all right. All right. Sounds good, man. Cool.